Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carrie Smith, who you didn't get to see on Friday. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm good. How are you? Is everything working? Is my microphone working? I think your microphone's working, I think. The the correct one? Yeah. Oh, hold on. I hear you. I don't know if it's the correct one or not, but I do hear you. Now it's the correct one. Hello, okay. guys. Welcome to Coffee Break. <laughs> uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you want to support the show financially, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate, where you are free to use Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Fiat, uh, which might take you to Subscribestar. And if you become a donor at the $25 level or above, you get a cool grenade mug, which I was supposed to have here on my desk, but I don't. But that's okay. Um, what else? We have book club coming up on October 18th, Screwtape Letters. And I haven't started it, but it looks short. I'm very excited about this one. So anybody who's new, we do book club. It's free to join. You can find out info on our book club page at unsafespace.com. And if you're on Facebook, we have a book club group where people share comments about what we're reading and stuff. And um, the, we usually, not always, we usually alternate nonfiction and fiction. So we are going to be doing uh, fiction this month, Screwtape Letter, C.S. Lewis. It's highly relevant to what's going on around us, I think. Just have you based read on it? some. Yeah, I've, no, I've read the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, but based on, people have been sending me this book and telling me to read it for months. Okay. Multiple people. Uh, one of them being little ragamuffin who's a big fan of this book so i'm really excited we're doing it and you guys can figure out how to if you want to be in the live chat you can be on video if you email us at speak at unsafespace.com or you can just join us in the chat like today if you want to talk about it exactly um and yes i know it's bothering some people that we switched sides carrie doesn't even know we switched sides uh but carrie's face is always closer to the camera because i have my cameras farther away from my computer and so the unsafe space logo, uh, I have more room for it on my side, so I switch sides. Also, I'm just on the right, and now Carrie's on the left, which I think makes a lot more sense. So, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, how was Walkaway? You were I haven't spoken to you actually since you went to Walkaway. Really, I mean maybe a oh, couple signals, yeah. but. So I was in D.C. this weekend uh, for the their big Walkaway D.C. event you to Nicole of the mountain people who graciously um, helped me ha- be able to go there and also to stay in the Trump hotel, which I've never stayed in and was very luxurious. I have to tell you the beds, but no gold toilets. I heard no gold toilets. I was disappointed, but the bed was so comfortable. I seriously, each night we were kind of socializing, hanging out with people at the restaurant nearby. And I, I in my head, I was weighing like, socializing the bed socializing the bed <laughs> to go back to the bed <laughs> it was nice it was very comfortable nice uh so yeah that was kind of funny staying there uh it was a great event it's interesting because i've only spoken at one of these events i gave a speech at the one in milwaukee and in some ways i feel like an outsider watching a walkaway event even though i'm a walk i'm a a class, a classic walk away, you know, a lifetime Democrat who, um, walked away from the party in 2016. I voted for Bernie and then 
I switched my after after the primaries, I switched to independent, which I had been a Democrat my whole life. And to switch to independent was a big deal for me. And then uh, moved to Texas. And then and then in 2018, I voted for my first Republican because I felt he was the more liberal option that I had on the ballot, which is funny, but true. And I've decided I'm going to vote for Trump because he's the most liberal option. However, after talking with Brett Weinstein and, and that interview is coming out this week, finally, I know it was a big editing job for you, Carter, and for Beverly. So it wasn't it's me, finally it was all Beverly. Beverly. So it's coming out this week. But you guys will see in that conversation, he, I definitely support Unity 2020. And I would like to see that on the Texas ballot. So I, he gave me a lot to think about. Can you and, scooch and you guys, to the right a little bit, by the way? You're not centered and I'm, I don't, I can't, but there we go. Now I can do this okay. screen again. Thank you. Okay. That's fine. Um, so, so anyway, I guess I'm getting a little off track. Oh, but so watching it, I kind of felt removed almost, almost in the way that a, a journalist covering it might feel like my friend who was there as a journalist. Um, like I felt sort of part of it, but also a distance. It was interesting observing it because so there's a large part of walk away who are the walk widths. And these are people who are, were already conservatives or who walked away decades ago. And okay. so when you're there, it's, I'm wondering what the demographics are of the people who attend the walk widths versus the walkaways, because in some ways it feels um, like it's a gathering of conservatives or, a, or at least of Trump people. Um, and yeah. so that was kind of interesting being an observer at it. And um, I will say this, I had the, I met some of the most amazing people. I got to hear our friend, Mike Carlo speak. Um, there were a bunch of great speakers, but, but here's the most amazing thing I saw the last night we were there, the, the Trump hotel has this big bar area. It's in the center of the hotel. The hotel's kind of like Italian in design. It's all, all the rooms open up onto this, uh, big, would you call it a veranda or something where everyone's looking down. It's, it sure. circles the bar and like there's the a huge American flag. Like a, okay. Yeah. So every, if you come out of your room, you can look down the, oh. at mm -hmm. the bar. And so there's it's this beautiful bar area and there's all these people there socializing and and they and you know mostly walk away people but other people too hanging out and and at some point at all of a sudden there's like a cacophony of voices and noise right then this guy who I had seen all weekend it's hard to miss him uh, he's a black guy in a wheelchair no he has no legs I think I think he's a veteran uh, pretty confident he's a veteran. And he has like two American flags on his wheelchair, very sharply dressed guy. He's the kind of guy that my friend Nicole would call a retired lion. Like this is a strong man who is in his older years and he very, you know, he, he's a person you would notice. Mm -hmm. So he just, he just shouts in this military style voice. He says, last call and PS attention. And everyone shut up. And I'm talking about a bar where people are loud. There's noise everywhere. Everyone shut up. It, you could hear a pin drop. And he faces the American flag and he starts singing Amer Amazing Grace at the top of his lungs. And so beautiful. It's the most moving rendition I've ever heard of that song. And something just came over me. I was watching him like I, did, I, I, did, I couldn't even take out a phone to film him because it would have disturbed the moment. It felt like 
God passing through the room. And I know for you and atheists and for other atheists, they may not understand what I mean, but you can extrapolate to what... We understand it. Yeah, you, you understand it. You categorize it as a psychological thing that's happening in your head. That's, that's okay. That's how you would categorize Right. <laughs> so he, he sang this song and I was... Tears came to my eyes watching him sing and and I was looking around and it's that weird feeling. It's funny because I had just described, tried to describe this feeling. I had it on my trip at, at this chapel I went to, the Loreto Chapel in um, in Santa, Santa Fe, New Mexico, it, where I just felt God, like this presence in the room, this acknowledgement of something bigger than yourself. And it's this hard to describe mix of emotions. It's just tearful, that but joyful. That song in particular is yeah. like a goosebumpy song. Like that song, when sung well, um, oh definitely my gosh. gives, gives you that feeling. It. Yeah. Yeah, he sang it so well, and he's sitting there, you know, in his wheelchair, this dude who has no legs, the life of the party. He he was like, last call and P.S. attention, and everyone turned to face him, and he just starts singing Amazing Grace. And I I looked over at my friend Nicole, I hope she won't mind that I'm saying this, but she was trying to film, but she's also sobbing. <laughs> And other people were moved. I was like, everybody was, some people had their cameras out. I was hoping I would find video of it later that I could share just because it's hard to describe it. But it was so beautiful. And I felt if for nothing else, this is the reason I came here this weekend was to see this man yeah. sing this song and, and just get everyone to shut up and have this moment of connected, just this feeling of, of emotion and appreciation and gratefulness and this humility. And it just felt um, it felt really unifying. I wish everybody could experience that. I wish that people who, I wish that people who are on the left, who have stereotypes about people on the right or about walkaway people or about Trump supporters, I wish they could embed themselves at an event like that and get to know some of the people and have a moment like that. And because I think those emotional moments, as we've talked about on the show, going back to Jonathan Haidt and the righteous mind, I think that the emotional moments are what help to change minds or at least help to open a mind a little bit. So you're like, Oh, maybe this person isn't evil. (laughs) How could this person be evil and have, and inspire this emotion in me? Right. Well, I mean, I think, and Bradley Halgerson talked about like needing the emotional in, you can't argue someone into a position if they're not emotionally, um, ready for it, if they don't want it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that makes I think that makes sense. Um, I, well, I saw I saw some back and forth about Unity Twenty Twenty. <laughs> I don't want to get into an uh, argument about Unity Twenty Twenty. I think okay. I think we're split on it, so our audience is also split on it, which I think makes sense. But makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed people will enjoy our conversation with Brett because we did get to talk about that a little bit, um, and he brought up some good points to some stuff that I was asking about. Um, you know, because I'm critical of it, uh, but he had some good points. I think, I think fundamentally, his premise is built on that the duopoly is responsible for our problems, and I don't believe that. So that's why I don't believe in the uh. 2020. I don't. I think that's a mischaracterization. Um, but uh, if that's what you believe, um, then I understand. I understand the incentive um, then to make some change. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, yeah, Carrie, I, as atheist as I am, I, that song, I totally get it. I get the feeling. I still love that song. I've been atheist for 25 years. That song still 
does it for me. And I think the thing that yeah. unites a lot of people who are, I won't even say necessarily Trump supporters, but just anti-woke, um, is that they still love America in some way. And like the a room full of people looking at a flag, singing a song that has emotionality like that is going to unite people. Because I know not all the walkaway people are Christians. Some of them are. But um, I'm sure the non-Christians there were still moved and still um, participated, it sounds like. Yeah, right? and everybody was looking at him. He was looking at the flag, but everyone was just enraptured by this guy, this yeah. gentleman. Yeah, so, I like the retired lion uh, analogy. I can kind of, or metaphor, I can yeah. picture what that is. And he, you know, that's something else that's interesting is um, another reason I think somebody from the left should really embed with and, and go to these rallies and see who's there is because the uh, visible, the kind of diversity that the left claims to care about, racial diversity and diversity of sexuality and gender, that was fully on display. I mean, he was far from the only black Trump supporter there. It, it was, a, I would say, it was a large percentage of not just black speakers and gay speakers, uh, but just the people I saw, and I saw a lot of like Latinos for Trump, um, yeah. you know, Black Americans for Trump, Blexit, stuff like that. Um, I actually got to watch right in front of me. I watched, there were a couple of protesters there, not very many, but there was one white guy with a man bun who starts chanting, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter to this black guy. And the black guy is wearing a Make America Great Again hat. And the black guy starts chanting, all lives matter, back to him. And then the woke white guy is, like, trying to tell him why he's wrong. And that was just hilarious. It it, it was amusing because <laughs> I mean, you, you're, you're not – clearly you don't value this black man's opinion if you're trying to tell him why he's wrong. It's not about <laughs> – yeah, it's not about black people. It's about – uh, elitist <laughs> liberals feeling good about themselves. Yeah. Uh, so man bun will be able to the, use that <laughs> to, uh, virtue signal to his buddies on social media later. So mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Oh my man gosh. Bun. <laughs> that was hilarious. And that, and the, the guy, his name is Seymour views the, I, I didn't know who he was before. Not the man bun guy, the, the black Trump supporter. Oh, okay. And, uh, see more views and and I looked him up after that because I was curious because he was really good at you know rebutting the uh, the BLM guy. Yeah, but yeah, it was interesting. Interesting weekend. Good to be back though. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed the weekend. And uh, yeah, let's do a quick super chat before we jump in because okay. we have one already, which we should do. Uh, Mac Daddy. Thank you, Mac Daddy. He says, I wish Brett wouldn't understand that Trump is, is the third party. I think I think Mac Daddy meant I wish Brett would understand that Trump is the third party. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and claim that I think that's what you mean, but I'm sorry if that's not what you meant. If it's not what you meant, then I don't actually understand what you meant. <laughs> but if it is what you meant, then we get it, and I agree. Uh, people are liking your hat, by the way, Carrie. Uh, there were, I don't know if you know this, but there was comments before the show started that you would look good in a trucker hat or like, a, Oh, so how did they know? That's what I was choosing today. Yeah. 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 Thank you. So, okay, so lots to talk about. I noticed you put the Pope on the graphic. God. <laughs> are we, are we talking about the Pope? 
I, I'm going to have a hard, the Pope makes me so angry. Um, and I don't want to step on religion for this because there are Christians who I'm, we're on the same side many times, um, often, in fact, in this particular fight. And probably there's some people who identify as Catholic, uh, that are on the same side. And I've never really viewed Catholicism as that different from Christianity. Like growing up, you know, I have friends who are Catholic and they didn't, I just thought Catholic was like a different version of Christianity, pretty American. I never, I, I, I never viewed that as a separate thing. I know some people think Christ, you know, Catholicism is, is very different, but you know, I don't have anything against Catholicism in particular except for the Pope, <laughs> um, and except for this idea of papal infallibility. And I know a lot of people... Th- what? Elva Kara says, the Pope is like me, not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Look, <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, look, I know infallibility doesn't mean that he's without sin. By the way, atheist, just hang on. I'm going to talk in religious terms for a minute. Um, the... I know, like, infallibility, I know it doesn't mean he's without sin, but it does mean that the stuff he says about interpretation of Scripture and his, like, doctrine is is supposedly correct. You're supposed to be like, oh, this is what the Pope says about the doctrine. It's infallible, right? It's infallible. And I can't think of anything more dangerous. Um, He is a man. He is fallible. His interpretations are political. Uh, and I am sick and tired of the Catholic Church. I'm sick and tired of the Pope. Uh, they are the Pope is one of the leaders of the anti-Western civilization movement. The Pope is leading the charge. He's one of the grand wizards of <laughs> the left. The Pope is one of the high priestesses of the woke, or priests of the woke. Um, the the Pope. So this particular pope supposedly was an anti-liberation theology back in the 70s, but uh, but he explicitly accepted all of its premises. He's just a shill. Honestly, if I believed in the devil, this is how I think the devil would come to earth. I, I, and I know this is going to offend Catholics, but like if I believed in the devil, it would be the pope. The pope would be the devil. He would come speaking nice language, convincing Christians that – this is the will of God, this is the word of God, and he would be saying absolutely horrific things, covering up pedophilia and doing all the things that the popes have done and the Vatican has done. It is disgusting. Um, and here's the, here's the thing that I, I, look, he's a shield for Marxism. The most evil ideology ever invented, ever, was from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. It's one of the most philosophically corrupt, evil ideologies. It killed over 100 million people last century. And this guy is shilling for that ideology. And I am okay. tired of hearing it. And I'm going to so, show you why in a minute. But. Okay, show me why. But I this, is, this happens to dovetail nicely with something I just started watching. So my boyfriend is a fan of the, of the show The Borgias, which I've never seen. You heard of this show? No. It's an old series. It's almost 10 years old now. I think it's 2011 series, but it's a historical fiction drama. So it's based on actual people, but of Mm -hmm. course it's fictionalized somewhat, but it's based on, uh, the Borgia. 
is it pronounced the Borgia's family? The Borgia family. Okay. It's set in Renaissance Italy. Like the Va- the Vatican and, Borgias? Like the, yeah, yeah. The, the, so the, 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 the bishops? Yes. Okay. And about, about it starts off, I just started it, but it starts off with this one guy basically buying his way to into becoming the Pope. And <sighs> everything about their family is corrupt. It's, you know, they're engaging in, a, you know, adultery, incest, bribery. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Uh, but watching it, so it's a fictionalized account, but a lot of it is based in historical fact. So it's kind of interesting. And for me, I don't know a lot about the Pope or the Catholic Church. And if you're, you know, to what to, to to give your mind a break, but watch something that's sort of rooted in history, that's that's that entertainment. Fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But it's definitely opened my eyes to the fact that, of course, of course. Any any type of organization or system can be corrupted, and especially especially this one, especially a <laughs> yeah. top down one with a charismatic leader or just a leader, a leader. I like to call them leader beans because it reminds me of the Homer Simpson, the Simpson episode where Homer joined a cult and he saved little beans on the windowsill, and then he would call leader beans because they looked like the leader. So, look, any organization with a leader bean who gets his little mobile and robes is like suspect, um, and. And who's considered infallible. The stuff he says about the doctrine is infallible. I mean, I just, there is no more anti-enlightenment idea than that. John Locke's, one of his greatest contributions was the dethroning of the idea of the divine right of kings, right? For centuries, you had this corrupt relationship between the church and the state. You had the church basically saying, well, um, they, they, they find the most effective thug, say that God ordained that thug as king. They, the agreement with the king is, I'll say that you're ordained as king. You have divine ruling power if you just promise to make sure that only my religion is the one that's allowed. Like that was the relationship between the church and the state for a long time. And and there was this idea that the, the clergy and the popes have and the kings have different standards. There's different standards of judgment. There's different rights. They are different. There, it was an elitist aristocratic class. One of John Locke's major contributions was to argue against the divine right of kings and say, look, we all have equal rights. There, this, there's not this one guy who's got equal rights. And I just, um, okay. He put out, I'll tell you why I'm pissed. I'll, I'll tell, tell you me. why I'm pissed, because I know I'm just kind of pissed for no reason, it seems like. Okay, so. I, I know it has something to do with China, right? No, nothing to do with China. No? Okay. But there's something <laughs> to keep going. I have. Yeah. No. The Pope, Pope Francis. Here's the, here's an article, and then we're going to actually look at some of the stuff. Pope Francis laments failures of, the, of market capitalism in blueprint for post-COVID world. He put together one of his, um, you know, one of his little, what do they call it? His papal teaching things. I forget what they're called. This, a scathing description of laissez-faire capitalism. Um, and the Pope writes, our worst response would be to plunge even more deeply into fever, feverish consumerism and new forms of egotistic self-preservation. So I, I'm just going to screw the article. We're just going to look at this for a second. This, here's some pure evil if you're interested in pure evil. Um... So it's the pure evil always starts with good words. Fraternity and social friendship. Ah, P. 
peace and love, the saint of fraternal love. I'm going to start quoting from the saint encyclicals. Thank you. Someone just said it's his encyclical. I'm going to start. It says it right here. Encyclical letter. I'm going to start by talking about fraternal love. All right. A new vision of fraternity and social friendship. By the way, just as a reminder, you put a word in front of another word, an extra adjective. Social friendship. What does it have to do with friendship? Probably nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It probably has nothing to do with friendship. It's social friendship. (laughs) That's Hmm. right. Okay, what's that? (laughs) Uh, Look, this is long. I didn't read the whole thing. I'm not, I can't bring myself to read the whole thing. But I'm going to, I'm going to pull out a few highlights because um, there are, there's a few things that really bother me. And what bothers me most, there's a bunch of things. There's a, there's a litany of things that I I could list, but the the one I'm going to pick on right now is this blaming of the free markets for everything. The rights of some to free enterprise or market freedom cannot supersede the rights of the peoples and the dignity of the poor, or for that matter, respect for the natural environment. If we make something on our own, it is only to administer it for the good of all. This is in this is one of the most anti-enlightenment ideas ever. So I know everyone, people have different definitions for the word capitalism. Like some people hear the word capitalism and they think of like an oligarchy, oligarchy and all this horrible stuff. So I kind of want to not, I don't want to use the word capitalism necessarily. We can, we can talk about why. Fundamentally, when I say capitalism, I'm just meaning private property, a system based on private property is recognition of individual rights and private property is a corollary. So that's all it is, Right. This is an anti-private property statement. If we make something our own, it is only to administer it for the good of all. Who defines the good of all? The effing Pope. That's who defines the good of all. The leaders. This entire system. This guy wants to be in power. He comes from a top-down system. A centuries-old top-down authoritarian system where the leaders tell you what to do and you obey. That's his background. That's the entire structure of the Vatican. That's what they're based on. And this is what he wants. They define for the good of all. It's not Stalin's the Pope, but it doesn't matter who does it. Someone defines the good of all and he wants to be in charge of that. He wants to be in the inner circle of people he wants the Catholic Church to be on the, on the board of directors of humanity to decide what's the good of all. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you deciding what's for your own good. You don't make the thing for your own. It's not yours. That's an anti-enlightenment idea. It is for the good of all. And now he said he's very explicit right here. This is the last thing I'll quote. And then he says, the right to private property is always accompanied I like that he uses the word accompanied, not usurped by, but let's, it's always accompanied by the primary and prior principles of the subordination of all private property to the universal destination of the earth's goods. What the fuck that means is beyond me. And thus the right of all to their use. So let's, let's just pick this apart philosophically. This is philosophic evil evil philosoph this is the the most evil thing one of the most evil things you can say he is saying philosophic this is why this is why religion does not count as philosophy he is saying hey there's a principle right the prior principle 
There's a principle of the subordination of private property to the universal destination of the Earth's goods. What the hell that means? I don't know. But the universal destination of the Earth sounds like Hegel, by the way. It sounds directly from Hegel, uh, if I had to guess. But I don't know where he got that crap. What's the destination of the Earth's goods and why is it universal? Well, guess what? That's for Mr. Pope to tell you because he has a direct line to God. So he'll tell you what the universal destination is. And thus the right for all to their fair use. So he's saying, yeah, yeah, property rights are fine, but they're subordinate to not property rights at all in any way. That's not how philosophy works. You don't have property rights, but they're subordinate to the Pope's whim because there aren't any property rights after all and Marxism. That's what this is. That's what this is. And if you're a Catholic, I, I don't know. I don't know what your recourses are if you're a Catholic. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know what's allowed if you're a Catholic. I don't want to like I'm not trying to convince you to abandon your faith, although you may consider it. Uh, if you're a Catholic, I don't know how to push back on this, but reject this asshole. He is evil incarnate. He's evil incarnate and he's doing it in the name of your religion. He is he there's no better way to undermine the West than by walking around telling people that actually private property rights, individual rights are subordinate to the universal destination of Earth's goods and use by all. That's communism. Although that's actually maybe a little bit more authoritarianism because he's going to be the one to decide the universal destination. Trust me. Right. He at least wants to be on the steering committee for the universal destination of goods. I don't know what the hell that meant me. Like what are Earth's goods? What's a universal destination? Like it's so... It's so intentionally vague that he can, it means whatever he wants it to mean. It is, it reeks of elitist authoritarianism. And I, and I, I don't know how people even, I don't know how people contribute to this guy, give him the time of day. Don't see anyone who's defending Western civilization needs to hate the Pope. Maybe hate, you're not allowed to hate people. Fine. You need to. <laughs> not listen to the Pope. You need to oppose the Pope. This Pope is atrocious. And again, if I were religious and someone asked me where the Antichrist was on earth, I would point directly to this bastard. He's the Antichrist. That's what an Antichrist is. He comes in the name of your God and he yes. undermines all the value in it. Uh, this is probably going to get you more riled up. Sorry, I'm angry. This is no, I like it. This is what I thought you were going to talk about. I just sent you two articles. Oh, what do you do now? Either, either one. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so he has he he declined to meet with our Secretary of State Pompeo. Why? And he de because Pompeo. Well, Pompeo has said that the deal that they did in two thousand eighteen with China hurts religious freedom and supports China's religious persecution of like the underground Catholics and Christians. Okay. And I think he's right. I think he's right about that. Sure. So for a while, from what I understand, you can read from this article so we get it right. But from what I understand, China was, was appointing their own bishops and were basically saying, we don't need the approval of the church. And, you know, they had this sort of these two, two Catholic churches in China, or there are these two, there's the underground persecuted practicing Catholics and Christians. And then there are the ones who are CCP approved. Okay. The public. So, 
So that's this article approved, here, right. this New York Times article you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so you can read from that. Rebuffed by Vatican, Pompeo assails China and aligns with Pope's critics. Pope Francis declined to see Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who's demanding a harder Vatican line on China. Oh, so he wants China to be hard. He wants the Vatican to be harder on China. The he Holy wants See the Vatican said, to, go ahead. to be harder on China because what the Vatican did in 2018 was they did this this compromise, this deal with China, where they said, okay, we're going to give you the authority to appoint for the CCP, basically to appoint <laughs> bishops. Right, because the Pope doesn't give. A, <laughs> I, wait, I just want to be clear about this. The Pope does not care about your religion. The Pope cares about about the Church being. On the board of directors of humanity, that's what the Pope cares about. He wants the leaders of the of the large nations, the people in charge, the oligarchs, he wants to be in the room with them. That's all he wants. He wants Catholicism to be have a seat at the table. That's what he wants. He does not care about the truth. He does not care about your Bible. He does not care about your religion. Ugh. Yeah, so in the comments, Azar Ahi says, yes, China is starting with the Muslims, but they're moving on to the Catholics next, already telling them to remove religious icon. I, I can never say that word iconography and replace with Mao or Z iconography. Yes. So we've talked briefly about and we did. We got to do an interview with Jack Posobiec about in which we briefly touched on the way that the CCP has been persecuting the ethnic minority Muslims in China who are called Uyghurs. And I do believe from the little I know about it, from what I've seen, that they are going to start and have already started treating Catholics the same way, the underground Catholics, not right. the ones who are state sanctioned. Right. Well, keep in mind, China generally doesn't give a crap about anything except for obedience to China. <laughs> so like if you're obedient, they're fine. But if you're in an underground church that's not sanctioned, you're by definition not obedient. So uh, yeah. that's not okay. Um, so you're showing this. The, he says the Vatican endangers its moral authority should it renew the deal. That makes sense, right? You would yeah. endanger – yeah. If you renew a deal telling the communists they can pick your, your bishops, assuming that's what that deal is, then get, that sounds like an undermining of your moral authority. Okay. Yeah, scroll down a little and read some more because it talks more about the deal. Um. Let's see. Well, which part do you want? Um, uh, an indigent Vatican took the article more as a calculated affront. Pompeo asked to meet the Pope, who turned him down. Clearly said does not receive political figures ahead of the elections, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. There we go. Up For there decades, China's communist government operated a Catholic church that it, contro that it controlled, of course insisting that Beijing, not the Vatican, had the power to appoint bishops while the persecuting while persecuting priests and parishioners who answer to the Holy See. Okay? Under a 2018 agreement, China recognized some papal authority and the church accepted the legitimacy of bishops chosen by Beijing, a shameful retreat according to Francis's critics. Right. So Francis is look, Pope Francis just want this is a power thing, right? He's, he's getting locked out of China, so he's like, oh, you want to approve some bishops? And uh, what? yeah, fine. Just, I want a seat at the table. That's all this is. I want a seat at the table. Um, it is that deal that the two sides are trying to renew. So this is the deal that Pompeo is critical of, Pompeo, rightly yes. so. Um, Mr. Pompeo, who consistently promotes religious freedom, 
and verbally thrashes China's leadership, talked to reporters on Wednesday afternoon about bringing the Vatican's moral authority to bear on China. He said American policy was to bring every actor who can benefit the people of China to make to take away the horrors of the authoritarian regime. Yeah. So this this okay. what this earned him was was uh, uh, you know being ignored by the Pope, you know, and the Pope refusing to meet with him. This is a man who probably has political aspirations beyond secretary of state who, you know, I think people would agree might run for president one day. And the Pope's like, nah, not going to meet with you. Well, he's a wrong thinker. And and he criticized the Pope. You can't criticize the Pope. This is all about it. Talk, by the way, one of the things the Pope writes in this letter is he talks about egoism. I mean, talk about, hey, pot, meet kettle. <laughs> the hell? Jerk. You're egotistic. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm God's voice on earth. All right, dick. (laughs) So funny today. Uh, Vero says, I don't know if this is true. I haven't looked it up, but Vero in chat says he did not even receive a Chinese bishop who wanted to ask him the same thing. (laughs) Of course not. All right. So what's this next article you sent me? Oh, it's just about the same thing. It's about Pompeo and China and and the Pope. Okay. So we, we covered it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Carrie, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm really trying to not yell about religion necessarily because uh, I know a lot of people are Christian and I just, and I'm not telling you to not be Catholic, but, uh, damn, um, I don't know how you, I don't know how you reconcile being Catholic with this guy, uh, unless you just oppose think, him, right? And you think I he's, think you he's can just, usurping the yeah. church. Right. I think you can oppose him. That and again, I'm not a Catholic. So if there are Catholics in the chat who who think I'm wrong about this, let me know. But if I assume you can still be a Catholic and oppose him the same way that I oppose false shepherds in Christianity, I think you have to be orthodox. And, right. And yeah. So let me. So for example, there's a pastor, a preacher, a Christian preacher that I follow on Twitter, who's a so, one of the social justice preachers. So he's a blasphemer. He's not preaching Christianity. He's pretending to preach Christianity, but he's preaching social justice Marxism. He's preaching evil and he's cloaking it. He's trying to cloak it in the approval of God. So that's the same thing. It's the same thing. I view that as that is evil. That's the ultimate evil. And something I saw that he tweeted this weekend, it bothered me so much. Um, I noticed that I noticed a couple things in the past week. I noticed that when Chrissy Teigen and John Legend posted about losing their baby, that there were some posts, not the majority, but there were some posts in their in their Twitter feed that were just gross from people presumably on the right who were gleefully um, uh, just taking joy in their pain because they think Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are evil people. They were then engaging in evil and they were celebrating the loss of her baby. And I thought that was just very disgusting. I don't care if you think they're evil people. By lowering yourself to celebrate the loss of their child, you've now, you're, how are you any different than you're what you think they are? celebrating the death of a baby. Just, let's just yeah. be clear. <laughs> that makes you evil. Okay. And so, yeah. and then very similarly, when Trump contracted COVID, I saw people on the left doing the same thing. I saw people on the left who, because they think Trump is evil, were celebrating him contracting 
this illness and hoping that he would die. And again, I would say the same thing to you. I don't care if you think that he is evil, just like I don't care if people think Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are evil. Thinking someone is evil, but then lowering yourself to engage in evil and wish death upon them and celebrate the death of a baby or it, that that makes you no different than what you think they are. It's disgusting. And I don't care. It, it knows no political party or side. I don't care if you're on the right or the left. I think it's disgusting behavior. And I think it unites you actually with people on the right and the people on the left who do that. You guys are all the same and you gross people can go over there and get away from me. <laughs> like I think we separate it into gross people and non-gross people. So I thought that was very gross. And then what I noticed was people on the left start to try and justify this gross, evil behavior. And I saw it from all kinds of people say, you know, basically uh, trying to, they said, you're not, uh, I saw someone posted the SJW uh, buzzword, you know, how they've tried to co-op the word gaslighting and they use it incorrectly. They said, you're not required to have empathy for someone who gaslights you which is basically just trying to justify your evil behavior and attitudes and say, it's okay for me to gleefully hope this person dies because guess what? I think they gaslit me. That's okay. So it's okay if I behave in an evil way. That, yeah. That's awful. You're just trying to excuse your bad behavior. And then I saw, to bring it back to this, I saw that social justice preacher, Kyle Howard, post a poll and he was trying to defend people wishing death on the president. And in right. his poll, he said, essentially he said, um, would you tell slaves that they should pray for their slave owners? Mm. Would you tell uh, Jews in the Holocaust that they should pray for Nazis? Would you tell sex, right. sex uh, let me finish, would you tell those who are being exploited sexually like child sex slaves, or would you tell them they should pray for their captors? And, and I would say, yes. And the Christian response to that is, yes, you pray for your enemies. It doesn't come with a footnote. Pray for your enemies, except those who X, Y, Z. No, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. And in fact, those are the people it's hardest to love. And you don't understand. You claim to be a preacher and you don't even understand the concept of prayer and of forgiveness. I know you and Carter and I, we disagree on forgiveness, but this man claims to be a Christian and a preacher right. at that. And he doesn't believe in forgiveness or prayer for your enemies. And you know what I said to him was like, I think you are committing a great evil. I think you are sowing evil and, and racism in the hearts of men. And and you're it, it's an even greater sin because you're doing it from the pulpit and you're trying to cloak it in the word of God, which is taking the Lord's name in vain. You're committing a great evil. And yet I pray for you because I have to. You're, I think the Bible commands you to pray for the people you hate until you learn to love them. And I hate you. So, yes, I pray for you. <laughs> At least you hate someone, Carrie. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> I, I Ragamuffin in chat was saying don't confuse Christianity with Catholicism. Just to be clear, I grew up Christian. I did not consider Catholics Christian. However, now that I'm an atheist, that's an internal battle. To atheists, you're all Christian. You all worship Christ. You all have the Bible. This is an internal argument about who's Christian and who's not. I'm not going to judge who's Christian. They're claiming Christianity. Catholics claim 
to be Christian. Um, I get the argument, the Protestant argument that they're not, I totally get it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I'm still angry about the Pope. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm, I'm, I'm still angry about the Pope and I'm angry that, um, I, I'm going to have to give up on the world cap, the word capitalism. I know that. Rechtenwald kind of convinced me that I'm going to have to give up on that word. So I'm okay. I'm okay with giving up on the word. It was only ever used Why? in a bad way. Because, because it was mostly used, even from its origin, is a, is a derogatory term. Um, and so I'm okay with that. I'm going to have to come up, we're going to have to come up with a new word, maybe free markets, whatever. But um, I, this idea of looking at all of the ills in society and labeling them the problem of the free market is unconscionably dishonest. It's just dishonest. It's, it, there's no word for it other than just dishonest. It's dishonest. Um, it, if you have a free market, if you have a, a, a free market, the most important thing that needs to be free is money. You need a free market in money. We haven't had a free market in money since 1913. We don't have a free market. Do we have elements of free markets? Yes. You can you can arrive at free markets as a good idea either empirically through historically how they've generated wealth and prosperity and lifted all, everyone, or you can arrive at them morally through the idea of individual rights and private property ownership as a corollary. But to, to look back at history and be like, I hate this whole, oh, the 28, 2008 crisis, that was a failure of capitalism. I, I just, I don't know, I don't know how anyone can think that. Where's the capitalism? What, you mean the, the central banks in, in bed with the entire financial system? <laughs> like the revolving door between the regulators and Wall Street? That's your capitalism? Do you know what the word even means? Do you have any idea what it means? It's a plutocracy. Maybe an oligarchy, but it's not capitalism. Um, but they've taken the word, I get it. Uh, I'm just tired of the Pope pushing outright Marxism I, and I'm tired of everything getting blamed. And this guy speaks and people listen to him cause you know, he's there. I don't know why do they, like, he's the guy that's in charge. He's the, cause the smoke was the right color when his buddies got together and voted, I guess. I mean, like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. I don't get why you would follow a pope. I don't get it. You know, there's other cults to join. Go join another cult. Um, so, by the way, somebody says, please please don't discuss bisected Christianity from a place of ignorance. Maybe Bishop Barron would be a good guess or research for you guys. Wait, First of all, thank you. Please don't discuss what? Wait, wait, wait. I didn't hear what it said. Oh, please don't discuss my sect of Christianity from a place of ignorance. Maybe Bishop Barron would be a good guest or research for you guys. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you for the suggestion. And I would love to talk to someone like, I don't know Bishop Barron, but someone like that or so, any, anyone you guys suggest who has a background in, in Catholicism. I'm not, I mean, I'm not um, saying much about the religion. I know. I know. I, I agree. And, we're, and that was going to be my second point is we're not really talking about the religion. We're talking about a specific leader, just like I was talking about just now about a specific leader in, uh, I guess, Protestantism. Right. I, look, if we're if not it, allowed to talk about something because we're not 
we don't have a background on it, then this is going to be a very boring show. Like I'm going <laughs> to, you know, yeah. our opinions on the Pope don't have to be rooted in being Catholics ourselves, but I would, I would be open to, and I think Carter would be too, talking with a Catholic. Um, I don't really care. I, lo- I mean, I honestly, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about the religion. I don't care what they have to say. If a Zoroastrian came up and said, Marx is great and started spouting a bunch of Marxist crap, I would criticize Zoroastrianism or at least that leader. That's what I'm doing. I don't really care whether Zoroastrianism or Catholicism is true. I care that he is pushing this Marxist crap, which is false. Um, So I don't really care if there's some explanation. Someone asked if I was Catholic growing up and that would explain my heated, why I'm so heated. No, I I, I grew up actually a very fundamentalist Christian. Um, uh, But I didn't have a anti-Catholic. I didn't grow up like anti-Catholic. I just, I had friends who were Catholic and it was like, okay, you know, whatever, they're Catholic. We don't believe what they believe. They, we thought that they were praying to. Uh, our our position was that they were they were praying to idols because they were praying to saints and whatever else. And like that was the that was the fundamentalist position there. Um, whatever, I don't care. I bought, I like I borrow. I'm very interested in Catholicism, so maybe I could talk to someone who's a Catholic. Yeah, sure. That would be cool. I do. Um, I th- maybe people will have a problem with this, but I kind of I'm not one of those people who separate. Catholicism from Christianity. I think it is Christianity, but I understand there are people who separate the two. Um, but I borrow, I, th- I believe in like I'm non-denominational. So I like certain thing, the cer- certain things that I've learned about the Catholic church. I like, uh, attention to tradition and ritual. And I have a friend who's Catholic who gave me my first rosary and I learned how to pray the rosary, the prayers that you do on each bead. And I think there's a lot of value to learning, the rosary and to, and it's almost meditative in a way. And, um, you know, any, anyway, I, I would be open to that. So, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I'll talk to anyone, I guess. Um, but (sighs) we're going to be talking to a social justice warrior in a couple weeks. So we're open to anything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. Let's do some super chats while we're here. Yeah. (sighs) I need to just, Calm down. And to calm down. <laughs> okay. Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. Richard says, hi, Carrie and Carter. I've missed a few of your live streams lately, but it's good to be back. Peace and strength. Welcome back, Richard. Good to have you. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. There's going to be a lot of scrolling happening. Carrie will sing Amazing Grace. Go. Uh, I'll never hear the song as beautifully rendered as I did by that gentleman. My daughter had to learn it for piano practice, and I just, uh, I really liked it. Also, Ani DeFranco does a version that I like, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. If you're you're looking for a probably completely woke Marxist social justice left rendition, it's still good. Um, I'm the biggest, I was the biggest Ani DeFranco fan, Carter. I had every single, every single record she'd ever put out. I probably went to see her in concert more than anyone that I've ever seen. Seriously? Yes, I was. I was. I, I have like T-shirts. Her. I've got all the records. <laughs> I was on. She and I invested in a company together. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I got to meet her a couple times. Yeah, because she ended up doing a show in my class. Yeah, she invested anyway, in the company that I was. Yeah, uh, hilarious. Yeah, okay. and I still like some of her lyrics. Like even Me though too. some of her stuff is still really, really good. Even Me though too. I've I've become less tolerant of leftism. Yes. Um, all right, Keith the Hat Guy. That's just a weird thing, Carrie. Uh, Keith the Hat Guy. 
The Pope and SCOTUS justices have the same problem. Leader beads, robes, divine right. They wear different color robes <laughs> so we can tell them apart. Yeah. <laughs> but history is a bunch of people in different costumes telling us they're in charge. <laughs> and then arguing over whose costumes get to be in charge. It's lovely. Uh, another one from Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. Richard says, beware of altruism. It's easily leveraged and conflated. Yes, altruism is not generosity. Altruism is not benevolence. Altruism is the subordination of the individual for the good of others. Altruism is your suffering is necessary because it helps someone else. That's fundamentally what altruism is, and it is evil to the core. Um, but... If they want you to sacrifice for their cause, they've got to convince you that it's just and beautiful. Um, all right. Let's see. Jody Young. Thank you, Jody. Jody says, I'm a traditional Latin mass Catholic. Millions of us growing up across this country, we do not ascribe to much this Pope attempts to call new dogma. Some of us will not comply ever. That's great to know. Um, and I'm confused. This is the part that I'm confused about as a non-Catholic and as someone who's never been a Catholic. I I was under the impression that if, if you call yourself Catholic, you're supposed to you're supposed to obey like the Pope is the ruler, right? I don't, I don't know I don't know that there's a dissent allowed, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. I thought I thought there wasn't any dissent, they, but I don't. Know. They can't control what's in your heart and mind. Sure. Even if they say sure, you're not allowed to dissent. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um, Pirate Tomsky, thank you, Pirate Tomsky. He gives us five pounds for me calling the Pope a dick. Well, <laughs> uh, that was the nicest thing I could say at the time. I was very heated. So, yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I don't get someone who writes about. I really don't get someone who writes about warning about being egotistical, who who simultaneously believes they're the voice of God on Earth. I just don't. like. All right, buddy. So I'm, no, no, no. I'm humbled to be in charge of all of millions of people around billion. I don't know. I'm humbled to be in charge of all of you and be the sole voice of God and infallible. That's just humbling because I use that word so that I don't sound arrogant because it actually has no meaning related to how I feel. But if I called myself proud, you would see through my fakery. All right. So as, as you're scrolling to get the next super chat, yep. would, uh, I just want to read this quote from Plato because it mm -hmm. applies yeah, please. to... But you've got the next one queued up, right? I do, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, it says, This and no other is the root from which a tyrant springs. When he first appears, he is a protector. And that's a Plato quote. Right. And I think it applies to what we're talking about, about of altruism. Of course, because cause if, he, if he appears as a non-protector, what the hell do you need him for? Yeah. Like, what? I'm, I'm going to plan. And, and this is the thing. You got to be aware. You got to be careful of all these top-down ideologies any ideology where there's someone at the top or a group of people at the top whose job it is to fix you, to plan for you, to make sure that, quote, we have whatever we need, like, that's all some form of central planning. And it can be religious and it can be totally state theist instead of, right, instead of have a, a theist thing, right? It can be it could be communism, but it's all central planning. All of it is op operates under this premise that you can't, you certainly can't be in charge of your own life. That's not allowed. Um, all right, Keith the Hack Guy, uh, thank you, Keith. He says I had thought 
one had to be a Christian to be the Pope, my mistake, evidently not required. Thanks for the fact <laughs> check. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't even know the definitions. I don't, because everyone has different definitions, and there are Catholics who will argue they are Christian, and there are Christians who will say Catholics aren't Christian. I don't want to get involved in the middle of that one. Uh, let freedom ring America. Thank you. He says, evil doesn't have a political side. Evil people will use anything to justify their sick behavior. Absolutely true. They will use the, they will use the most expedient thing they can to justify yeah. their behavior. So, um, I've got the next one. Thank you, Mandy. Mandy says when Carter yelled, okay, Dick, I laughed and dropped my corn dog on the floor. <laughs> you ruined my breakfast, but probably made my day. Oh, that's sorry, a great Mandy. quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comment. Thank you, Randy. I'm sorry for ruining uh, your day. <laughs> Pirate Tomsky says, welcome to rant Feffy break, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Pirate. I didn't rant much on Friday. I guess I pent it up. I did, I'm sorry. I don't know why the Pope gets me so riled, uh, but he really does. He really gets me rant riled. Feffy. Uh, Andrew Joyner. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew says, I always thought that capitalism was just business rather than an ideology. Thoughts? Yeah, so I, I, if you're interested in this, actually, I had a, I mean, we really briefly addressed this in the Michael Rechtenwald interview that was released last week, but um, there's a problem, there's a few problems with the word capitalism, and I think a lot of the disagreement that I have with people about capitalism and other people have could be sorted out if we realized that we were using the word to mean two different things. So um, when I say the word capitalism, I mean the ideological definition of capitalism, which is basically um, the recognition of private property rights. That's what it's a, it's a system based on the recognition of private property rights. That's kind of it. I mean, you can, you, you can, you can elaborate on that, but fundamentally that's really all capitalism is, uh, is the recognition of private property. Now people use the word capitalism to mean a system where capital accumulation is, is somehow facilitated or allowed or encouraged. But that can be many systems, like fascism may have money and the accumulation of money may be good, but that doesn't make it capitalism ideologically. Um, and people also use the word capitalism, they'll just say like, well, I'm a capitalist or he's a capitalist. And they mean that they're good at acquiring capital um, or this is a capitalist venture. They mean that it's intended to turn a profit in the, in the current system. So uh, I, all those secondary definitions, all the other ones that I just mentioned, uh, do have problems, and I, I wouldn't say I'm a capitalist in the sense that I support those necessarily. I'm a capitalist in the sense of private property, and I think a lot of times we're talking over each other. So when I'm defending capitalism, people are hearing me defend, you know, in their in their mind, I'm defending Wall Street and big banking and the Federal Reserve and Jeff Bezos, and that's not true. That's not what I'm meaning by it anyway. And I so I'll think about how to talk about this more clearly, but it's become very clear to me that 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 word is not universally understood in the same way. So, um, all right. Okay, Marie Busky uh, gives you five New Zealand dollaroos and says, dollaroos. for a cup of tea and a lie down, screw it, pour a scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, thank Thanks, you for Marie. contributing to Carter's Swear Fund. Uh, screw up. I can't prove I'm doing the uh, sober October so I can't pour a scotch oh good for you I didn't mean oh, to awesome. but it was like partway through October and someone said something about it and I was like oh yeah you know I've been drinking lately I haven't been drinking since October started I might as well stop for a while so that's cool uh, yeah hey 
anybody in the comments who's doing Sober October, check in with us and let us know how it's going. That's cool. I'm doing Sober <laughs> October. I'm doing Sober every day. In, in November, <laughs> in December, in January. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually going to hit my one year of sobriety at the end of October. We should have a party. Yeah. A non-alcohol party. An apple juice party. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a, a LaCroix party, but sure. Yeah, LaCroix. LaCroix. Eagle Flight Farm says, I love you too in unsafe space. I agree about the Pope, Carter. <laughs> Thank you, Eagle. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to rant about the Pope because I'm not Catholic, but I can't, I can't, I can't help it. Jody uh, Young. Jody Young, you got Jody her? says, okay. uh, Bishop Barron supports much of what Pope Francis teaches. It won't satisfy Carrie. Oh. oh, yeah. Well, I, other people were saying he doesn't. So I have no idea, but I would like to read more about him now. So thank you, TPP, for suggesting that earlier. Uh, Jeanette just gives us five bucks and says, keep it up with a little pair doing weights. Thank you, Jeanette. Oh, Jeanette, I owe you an email. So it's coming. I'm back home. I'm I'm getting through my inbox. Uh, is that it? Uh, I don't know, but I think it might be. I'm still scrolling, but I think we're... I think we're caught up. Yep. Oh, look at this. Look at this. What? Roderick says, I've gone sober 31 years. Wow. Matt Parker says, same. I've been sober 2020 and on. Uh, we've got Tatiana Fisk says, my sober October is four years strong. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah. She's four years sober. I know that. And then uh, Alamuth says, one month sober anniversary for them. Wow. Look at all these folks in the congratulations. That's awesome. It's very inspiring. I like that. Okay, much like we have people of different beliefs and politics, religious beliefs and political beliefs, we can have different people who drink and people who don't in the chat, and that's perfectly fine. Yep, I uh, I have a, my relationship with alcohol is like uh, I don't really, I've never really like cared a lot about it, but I will get in a mode where I find myself if, like if I find myself drinking like most days for a week, I'll like the little red flag will go off and I'm like, uh oh, I'm drinking a lot. It's time to stop. And that's what happened, like, the end of September, I was, like, drinking not quite every day, but almost, and it was like, oh, that's, that's a bad sign. I'll just stop for a while. Um, I just don't want to get too far that's down good. the road and be like, oh, crap, this yeah. is not good. Plus, I do feel better when I don't drink, honestly. Uh, I think everyone does. Okay. I like Blackbeard said he's been sober for 16 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Blackbeard! <laughs> I think that's the greatest accomplishment. <laughs> Rin Wesley. Uh, do you want to do Rin Wesley's? Uh, you do it. I don't see it. Uh, thank you, Rin. Rin says, God bless to all who have maintained sobriety and those who are working on it. Cool. Cool. Thank you. All right. Yeah. <sighs> Got the rant off my chest. What else do you want to talk about, Carrie? Can we talk about, let's just briefly talk about the COVID thing. Sure. President Trump. I know we have to. No, it's worth, yeah. And yeah, yeah, we should talk about it. So I just, just gut thoughts, first impressions. I don't watch a lot of mainstream media, as you know, anymore. I used to. Right. It, they're full on propaganda. Whatever they're telling me, I know they're trying to sell me something. So, but by virtue of being in DC over the weekend and, you know, he, this is where this happened. He's at Walter Reed and there were a lot of people there at walk away. Some of whom went over to the vigil at Walter Reed later that the Friday night, I think. And, um, in the restaurant we were at, it was like a bar restaurant. They had different news channels up on the televisions. And so you're, everybody's reading 
the Chiron and reading the uh, closed caption, like what's going on. Right. And just by virtue of being around that, I could tell, oh, okay, the mainstream media is basically on this alarmist kick where they're trying to freak everybody out about the president's got COVID. He's going to die. Oh my God, he's going to die. And even friends of mine who are pretty rational, but who were plugging themselves into the news this weekend were saying to me like, oh my gosh, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he's going to be okay? And they were getting kind of alarmed too. I don't understand that. I'm not alarmed at all. We know the survival rate. We know that the death rate is very, very small for COVID. And I just don't, I don't, he, it, supposedly he's asymptomatic. It doesn't seem like it's a, a bad case of it for him. And I'm not worried about him passing away unless this is like JFK and they're trying to take him out and say it was COVID. <laughs> I'm worried about him being taken out by someone else, but not by COVID. I guess I'll put it that way. So I don't get yeah. the hysteria. And then what I saw that well, he, happened. Just to be clear, he is in a higher risk group. And he is. he was on. They, there was an indication that the doctors gave him steroids, which is not generally something you do for a mild case, but could have, I don't know. Um, yeah, but he's also the president, so they're going to take the utmost caution right. with him and give him right. presumably the best in treatment and, and preventative measures. And and I just, I guess, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, very I'm not super low, worried. I'm just yeah, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. I don't have, mm-hmm. I'm not worried. But because the mainstream media spent 72 hours hyping this hysteria, because that's what they want to do is keep you on this adrenaline hysteria drip where you're just constantly alarmist. The world's going to end. There's Nazis everywhere and the president's going to die and Russia gate. And, you know, just this total complete overblown paranoia that then he decided to do a drive by Yesterday, was it, that he he drove by uh, in a motorcade and just yeah. waved at supporters who were there to wish him well at Walter Reed and who were there with a vigil. And then what did the media do? I thought this was very telling. They freaked out. They freaked out because by virtue of him saying, showing himself and being like, eh, like, but just by driving by, you can say, oh, okay, he's allaying concerns, which is what a good leader would do. Yeah. If he's doing well, let you know he's doing well. What's better than letting you see him? physical proof, right? So he drove by, did well. They flipped out. They're so angry. They're so angry that he did the drive-by. They're trying to paint it in a negative light. And I saw someone on Twitter had a good point. They said if it had been Obama, they would have said, you know, Obama shows strength and resilience and goes to to wish his uh, well-wishers well, or that's a bad phrasing, but, you know, he goes to send to to make an appearance and to um, calm the fears of his supporters yep. or to calm the fears of Americans, but yep. they but because it's Trump, yeah, it's just I don't yeah. know. I did see reports he would even leave today. I don't know if they're true, but um, the yeah. hospital. But yeah, I the thing that bothers me most about this is just this kind of I hate when things in reality happen that serve to solidify stupidity. Um, and this is one of those things to me. Um, they're like, well, Trump didn't wear a mask, therefore he got COVID. That's the implication, right? And I, I just, there's two big no's to that. <laughs> one is, that's not how statistics works. Even if wearing a mask did help prevent COVID, one example does not make your case for you. But the other thing that really bothers me about this is even... Look, we don't have to question 
people, by the way, can I cut in there to give an example of that? People don't understand statistics. Yeah, of course. And so a good example is when 23andMe and these other DNA testing sites came out. There were people who, who got angry and were trying to sue because they didn't understand statistics. And they would say, hey, you told me I had only a 20% chance of developing Crohn's disease, but I have Crohn's disease. Right. And it was like, yeah, that's right. statistics. But you have a 100% <laughs> chance of retardation. Uh, so did you yeah. notice that one? Uh, yeah, no. So they don't they don't get stats. But here's the other thing. And I just because I don't want to uh, I don't want to have arguments about the effectiveness of masks or this or that. I'm going to take the main stream mask argument. I'm going to use their own mask arguments. Let's take a look at their own mask arguments, shall we? This is from Mayo Clinic. They're defending the CDC. They're going to talk about this. This is why did the CDC say masks, not to have masks? Well, at the time, experts didn't know the extent to which COVID could spread the virus before symptoms appeared. Oh, what they're talking about is wearing masks to prevent the spread from you to other people, not to prevent getting it, but to prevent spreading it. Different types of masks, they go into it. Surgical masks may protect others by reducing exposure to the saliva and respiratory secretions of the mask wearer. All their stuff, asking everyone to wear cloth masks can help reduce the spread of the virus by people who have COVID but don't realize it. The mainstream narrative even, not even a counter narrative, the mainstream argument, the thing that, that we're just gonna obey the CDC, we're gonna listen to the CDC, Masks are for preventing the spread when you have it. So Trump not wearing a mask doesn't mean he doesn't get it. It means Biden gets it because Trump didn't wear a mask. That's what it means. You are retarded if you are out there saying, see, he didn't wear a mask and he got COVID. You have retardation. Congratulations, you've tested positive. That is not how masks work. That's not even how your side thinks masks work. That's not how what anyone is saying about how masks work. That's not how they work. The whole argument for masks is to prevent the spread in case you are asymptomatically positive for COVID. That's the whole argument. So I guess they could complain if people at the debate got COVID and they could say, well, Trump should have worn a mask. But they can't say, see, Biden's wearing a mask and he's protected. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That, that's what bothers me. And so it bothers me that there's now a bunch of mask Karens running around going, see, see, and they're citing these two things. Like, one, an anecdote, and two, a backwards anecdote at that uh, about how masks work. And they're doing it with uh, <laughs> this kind of arrogance, this, like, little autocratic arrogance of, like, I see, I'm right. This is, this is, this is I know everything. Like, it's, I, I don't, and these, these are the people that you want to vote and be in charge. This is why I, I hate democracy. This makes me want to hate democracy. I'm just in a mood today. Now I'm hating everything. Today. I can tell. First it was the Pope. Now That's it's fine. democracy. Go ahead. So <laughs> do you want to do some super chats? And while you're doing it, I've, I've got a little bit of something to say about the mask since we're talking about them again. Yeah, I'll find super chats. You start talking about the mask. Well, you know, I posted, we already talked about it in the last video I was on with you where I posted that meme calling the mask a face burka and <laughs> really tapped into some people's vitriol. Wow. Um, and it's funny because my opposition to masks is not even rooted in the arguments for or against them scientifically and whether they work or not. It's not even rooted there. My opposition to the mask, if I didn't make it clear, 
is rooted in the negative consequences, I think, for wearing them psychologically and culturally. So I don't think it's good for us as human beings to put these things on our faces and for kids to who know nothing else to see this everywhere. I think this is hurting us. I think it's making us more compliant. I have a lot of concerns about what the masks are doing to us as a people. My only opposition, frankly, is the mandatory nature. That's it. Right. And the mandatory nature. That's where it's rooted. But since people got very upset with me, then I had some people who are also opposed to masks who started sending me some of the peer-reviewed studies about the efficacy of masks. And lo and behold, they're much less effective at preventing so-called preventing the spread than I thought they would even be. So for those people who... Who say the virus that, is 100 microns wide, need we remind you. Right. And those people who say that support – the ones who support the mask mandates and say they do so, uh, say that it's rooted in in preventing the spread, I don't even – I don't even think you've read the studies. So how can you say that's where it's rooted? I don't think you've read the studies. Well, Carrie, it's illegal to read the studies. What we have to do is read them and tell you what's in them. That's our job as the media. Right. Sorry, I, I – I that's channeled what they do. Cuomo for a second. Um, that's what they're doing, right? That's what they're doing. They're just, yeah. They're just. Uh, what's that? What's the guy that the young guy who looks like he's like my older brother? He looks ancient. Brian Stetzer. Uh, <laughs> what? The guy. I'm like twice his age, and he looks like he's my older brother. Uh, he's gonna rant about it uh, and tell you that masks are. Oh, there's a study. I don't know if he did rant. I'm just saying it, it comes from people like that who are telling you that the study proves blah, blah, blah. By the way, even even the stuff that I'm reading now, even if you read this Mail Clinic article, it says when they're trying to say, uh, can face masks help slow the spread of the coronavirus that causes COVID? Now they're trying to debunk the idea that it can't, right? They're trying to say that's it can't. Okay. Yes, face masks combined with other preventative measures such as frequent hand washing and social distancing help the <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, wait, what was the rest of that? What was that little parenthetical? Oh. Oh, such as other stuff. Yeah, combined. You could say Legos combined with hand washing and sanitation prevent COVID. It's like, yes, anything combined with other stuff that helps. It's just. <laughs> There's even, no I think I think this. what we'll do is we'll put some of the links to these studies in today's video description if people want to read them afterwards. Yeah. But one of the ones I was reading was from the CDC. Guess what? It doesn't really come out swinging in support of the mask wearing. I I don't know what studies you guys are reading, and I'm sure, trust me, I'm sure there are ones that say mask wearing is effective, uh, but are you aware there are ones, even from the CDC, that say they're not? So, uh, By the way, I'm not against wearing masks. I'm just against this mandatory thing and this smug, this smug attitude that these little authoritarians are taking about, you're just anti-science, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. You, you know what? Uh... <laughs> That's not how science works, and, and you don't get to say that, and you don't get to make me wear a mask. I, I might wear a mask at times, but it's my decision. And but, and here's the other thing. I, I think this goes back to what, how I don't think right and left, and right and left doesn't tell me that much anymore. Right and left no. is increasingly meaningless. I, I think what's more interesting about people is whether they're authoritarian or not, and you can be authoritarian on the left or the right. It doesn't matter. And you can be opposed to authoritarianism from the left or the right. doesn't matter. But anyway, people are trying to make this a tribal issue, a political issue, like a right and a left thing. And right. the media did that. Again, the media's job is to manufacture consent. 
And the media has been selling us a narrative and, and trying to get us to consent to the idea that if you oppose the mass mandates, you're on the right. And if you're for them, you're on the left. That's not true. However, people who just blindly follow the tribe, which is a lot of people, once the media starts putting that idea out there, then they just scurry along to whichever tribe they're in. Oh, I'm supposed to be over here or I'm supposed to be over here. But it's not fundamentally true. I have conservative family members who support the mask mandates. Of course. They, I have a really good friend I, who's conservative who is very paranoid about this virus and still yes. wearing masks. And Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have hippie friends, the kind that collect crystals and stuff, who are out on the square in my small town protesting the masks. Yeah. <laughs> who, who I've run into out there. Who it's not a left-right thing, fundamentally. But yeah. they try to make it that, which it bothers me. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that the other thing that I that is the most anti one of the most anti-science attitudes that I've seen. And it's 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 been probably on both sides, although I see it a lot with the left because they catastrophize things. But you're seeing especially with this mask thing, this idea that um, it's a black or white issue. Masks either prevent or don't prevent. They either help or they don't help. That's not how anything works. Everything's risk management like everything is about there's some risk out there and there's ways to reduce that risk. The question is like, yes, how much of that risk is reduced? Is it worth the inconvenience? Are there other downsides? Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, if someone's sneezing on you or if you're sneezing on someone and you wear a mask, you will decrease the likelihood of infecting them if you're sneezing on them and you're wearing a mask. Absolutely. Um, the question is, uh, do we want to live in a society in which we are constantly minimizing risk for everything? Because if that's the case, you shouldn't drive. Let's just ban cars because cars are riskier than mask wearing, not mask wearing. Cars are riskier than COVID, way riskier than COVID. Right. And, they, they, and they don't have a preference for that. old people. So So let's do some super chats. All right, all right. Okay. Beverly, sees, Beverly says black or white issue. So now Carter's bringing race into it, I see. Yes. Yes, Beverly. <laughs> Tatiana Fisk. Thank you, Tatiana. She says a tip. For the epic Carter rant, and because I love you guys, President is going to be fine. The whole thing with the media or the left, oh my God, they are why we can't have nice things. <laughs> well, yeah, they want you to think your nice things are threatened constantly so that you have to. What was that? That's that line. I've played this before back a long time ago when we had very few subscribers. There was that scene. I think we even got a copyright strike for this. There's that scene for V from, from, v from Vendetta yes. when um, Adam Settler, the... Uh, Sutler, whatever his name is, the 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 authoritarian prime minister or whatever his position is in the movie, uh, he's screaming at his his media propagandist people saying, we have to show the people why they need us. Like, it, that's very important. They need to see why they need us. Everything's got to, you got to be afraid of everything. You got to, got to need the leaders. I think you've played that because we had been reading a Hillary Clinton quote that was almost word for word similar. Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah blackbeard uh, blackbeard go ahead blackbeard says the media hate this because it undermines the narrative mainstream media wants you to believe a positive test means that you are on borrowed time yeah it does it wants you to be right. terrified about everything not just covid yep hey liam hey liam thank you 12 bucks says some catholic teachings conflict with bible teachings example compare matthew 6 7 do not pray with repetition compared to praying the rosary with repetition. 
though I side with the Bible teachings. I'm not familiar with that verse, but I will read it. Thank you. I vaguely remember that verse. Uh, Here's what I like about the repetition. I mean, it's somewhat meditative. What I don't like about it is that it also can make you, it can make you not present in your prayers. Not that it necessarily makes you not present, but it's easy to be not present in your prayer because then you're just repeating words. Yeah. Um, Okay. Want to do Lori's? Lori Lori says, for the consistent application of common sense. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lori. You got the next one? Uh, Jeanette. Jeanette, thank you. Jeanette says, uh, was in grocery store listening to the rants, (laughs) lolling in the aisles, while suffocating in my mask. Thank you all. Don't they suck? <laughs> I can't, I'm in a store and it's like, I, I just, I hate it. I can't breathe. I I hate not being, by the way, I grew up with asthma uh, and uh, I just, I can't stand, I can't stand having to breathe. And I only wear a crappy cloth one because I'm doing the minimum requirement. There's a store that I go to though. If no one else is in it, I get away with this because the guy behind the counter pulls the mask down below his nose. <laughs> and so I was like, well, if he does it, I like I pull my mask down below my nose, and uh, you know what I noticed the other day? I, this is just a, a weird thing. Uh, the smells. It's a store that had like fruits and vegetables and different things in it, yeah. and uh, yeah, I forgot that I was allowed to smell things, and I <laughs> I walked yeah. in the other day and pulled the mask down because I was the only one. In the, it was a small store, the only one in the store, and the guy had his mask down a little bit, so I pulled it down, and I inhaled, and I was like, oh yeah. The world smells. The world has smells. There's like things, there's there's beautiful smells that I'm missing out on because I'm smelling my crappy cotton face underwear. I, yeah. Look, I know, I know we, there's disagreement in our community about this and some people won't like it and some people will, but I don't typically wear them. I wear them depending on context and where I'm at and where I choose to wear them. But, you know, on this trip to DC, I only wore it when I started boarding the plane, like as I'm boarding, I mm. put it on and then on the plane, I wear it under my nose. And this particular airline was great. They didn't bother people wearing it under their nose. So I got to breathe the whole time. And, uh, I don't wear it on, I didn't wear it on the Metro or the train at all. And actually I had this really great moment. I wanted to post about it and share it with people. But then I knew based on the meme I shared, I would get a lot of hate, <laughs> but it was beautiful. If you understand this, you're going to understand it. And if you don't, you won't. But I was sitting on the Metro and I was looking at some of my phone. I look up and there's this guy across from me, this black guy, construction worker. He's in like a, uh, one of the hard hats and like a reflective vest. And he's smiling at me. And then I realized he's not wearing a mask either. <laughs> and that's why he's smiling at me. And, and so awesome. I smile back. Yeah, I had one of that, that Katniss moment, right? With the fist up, like, yeah. So I smile back and then he says to me, um, and he, he wasn't directly across from me. He was like a little ways away, but he says to me, has anyone, you know, yelled at you about not wearing a mask? And I said, not today. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he said, he said something about how it's making people crazy. And I said, yes. And there's a quote by the saint and I forget which saint it is. I was just looking for it. Actually, I meant to look it up before the show, but I told him there's a quote by the saint that I read recently paraphrasing. It was about how in the future, the, the world will go mad and the mad people will look at the sane people and call them mad. And then he said, 
he said, that reminds me of something my father told He said, you know what my father told me? Is that if a man, and at this moment I realized we're hitting my stop. So I jump up and get closer to him to the door. And I, and yeah. I was like, please continue though. And he's, he's like, if a man's going to stand for anything, if his word means anything, he needs to stand for it even when a thousand people oppose him. And at this moment, I've stepped out and the doors are shutting. And I was like, thank you. I was like, it's nice. To be. He stuck his hand through the doors like a movie. He's like, I'm Steven. I'm like, I'm Carrie. We shook hands. <laughs> he said, I hope to see you again. And the door shut and he took me. <laughs> but it was awesome. just a really beautiful moment where I felt, oh, just we just connected in a really short amount of time. In, over you know, your non-compliance. Over my non-compliance. And I would have liked to continue the conversation. Maybe I should have missed my stop and just stayed on the train. <laughs> but uh, but it was cool. And and I knew, I thought, oh, that's such a beautiful moment that I want. And I know some people will like it, but I also knew a lot of people would hate it. So I just like, whatever, yeah. I'll save you'd it probably, You'd them. probably get them in trouble. You'd post and it on then, social media. <laughs> someone would figure out who it was. Yeah. Steven, construction worker or who's right. black in dc right yeah <laughs> they'd figure out where you were anyway <laughs> all right let's do some more super chats um okay kent for chuck says congrats on sober anniversary carrie so oh you thank you thank you uh nemo sundry says uh we are too reliant on politics to change when our crises are cultural many people around me don't value community as the starting place of change i uh, we both agree, I think. I don't want to speak for Carrie, but I'm pretty sure we both agree with that one. Uh, so, by the way, Elva Carl says, you should get yourself either a World War One-style gas mask or a Bane mask. I do have a full-on military gas mask with NBC filters and stuff uh, to screw in. But I guess, I guess I could wear that to the store just as a joke. But those are not much more fun to breathe in, frankly and a stupid cloth mask, so uh, I don't know that that would help. All right. I think we got through Super Chats. Yeah. We're good. Um, you know what I did? Uh, this is just a minor thing, but uh, Carrie, I I had a friend of mine reach out. So there's like a group of friends that I used to hang out with um, a while ago, but we kind of all went our different ways. One guy sold his company and moved and left the country, and another guy got married and had kids and moved, like, you know. As guys do, they move away. Um, but my my one friend was was because Trump mentioned the Proud Boys during the debate. He 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 reaches out to me and he says, uh, "I just got in an argument with our other other mutual friend. I don't want to use names." And and the guy who reached out to me, by the way, not a Trump fan at all. Like I totally think he's a little bit. I kind of thought he was drifting left, frankly. But you know, we we talk once in a while. Um, but he says, you know, I just got into an argument with this other friend about the Proud Boys. I don't think they're a white supremacist organization. <laughs> but he says yeah. they are. And <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, he, and I said, well, did you look at their website? And he's like, yeah, I looked at their website and there's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing white supremacist about their website. Yeah. And, and I said, well, they equate Western civilization with white supremacy. And he Not was like, the Proud Boys, but the people. Who <laughs> no, the people you're arguing with. He was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I've noticed that. Is that really what they're doing?" I'm like, "Yes, that's what they're doing. They're they creating those two. And then he comes back and he says, "It seems like." Uh, so then I said, "Well, the SPLC calls them, you know, white supremacists. That's that's why." And he said, "Yeah, but it seems like they, 
everyone just refers to the SPLC for everything. And I was like, yes, yes, they do. Uh, And um, he says, well, then they sent me some old, they they sent him some old um, Wayback Machine screenshots of people claiming to be in Proud Boys who were white supremacists. And I was like, yeah, you know, I had to explain, yeah, it was not really an organization, but then there are a few people who were associated with it. They didn't want, they kicked him out. And like, they have a vetting process now for kicking people out. And uh, any organization is going to have people they disagree with, but like the people are all different colors and whatever. So th- this happened and I was thinking, oh, so Proud Boys is now going to be a thing because Trump mentioned Proud Boys. People are going to have to defend them. But then this Proud Boys hashtag started trending on Twitter because George Takai, you know who George Takai is, I assume? Yes. George yes. Takai, he said, here, I'll, I'll pull it up. He says, I wonder... If the BTS and TikTok kids, I don't know what BTS is, it's some app. I wonder if the BTS and TikTok kids can help LGBTs with this. What if gay guys took pictures of themselves making out with each other or doing very gay things, then tagged themselves with Proud Boys? I bet it would mess them up real bad. Reclaiming my, hashtag reclaiming my shine. And the first thing I thought of this was, you know, George, the Proud Boys won't care because they're not anti-gay. Yeah, they, they are. These guys are living in another world. The Proud Boys have gay members. I know they're not anti-gay. So they're not anti-gay. They don't give a crap. They're like, ha ha, we're tag- trolling you. And it's like, I don't think they care, dude. Yeah. In fact, please do more of that to show that Proud Boys are not like that's how they would reply. They don't care. It's funny. There were some uh, Proud Boys at the um, bar restaurant we were at in D.C. And uh, I was going up to get my mugs of waters <laughs> yeah. and there was a guy there getting some beers and i was i said to him oh how have you guys been uh handling all the tension since the debates and he he was just laughing he said you know they've always called us these things it's no different it's just right. more of it now and you know i actually asked him if he does interviews because c- c- he said he was the leader of the dc chapter this guy I was talking to you and, and he said that he doesn't, but the president, of, the leader of Proud Boys, the president of Proud Boys does interviews. And so I would like to try and get him on the show. Just talk about who they are. And by the way, he's a black human man. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say human or Cuban? Cuban. Oh, okay. I thought you said he yeah, was a black so- human man. And I was wondering why the specificity was needed there. <laughs> no, <but. laughs> he's he's black and he's Cuban. And I think it just, again, that we're living in an upside down world where they, they try and get you to believe that people who are black and Latino and gay and all the, those are hateful, anti-gay, white supremacists. Really? <laughs> like, I don't. And you know what? They don't say any of that on their website. They don't support any of that. In fact, on their website, they explicitly say they're they oppose racism and that anyone of any sexuality or race can yeah in fact here wait i want to it all started as a joke for goodness sakes it all started as a joke i think people miss the miss out on the fact that gavin mcginnis is a comedian right and like milo they they either purposefully ignore that or they ignore it out of naivete but but he's a comedian and so part of what he does is actual political commentary but part of what he does is satire and humor and he tells jokes that they try and condemn it they try and paint as if they're not jokes jokes that if someone on the daily show did it you you would know it was a joke and you would laugh at it when he does it they 
get all butthurt and try and pretend like it's not right. a joke. But yeah, yeah he meant it in the worst possible way. Yeah. Right. So I just want to, I was just curious because I haven't looked at the Proud Boys in a while. Here's their website. Core values of the Proud Boys. Minimal government. Well, that's white supremacy, I guess. Maximum freedom. Also white supremacy. Let's not, no, let's not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just so people are clear, Carter's being sarcastic. Okay. Because the people who criticize this, this is what they're calling white supremacy. Right. Minimal government. They say, yeah. I, I know. Minimal government, maximum freedom, anti-political correctness, anti-drug war, closed borders, anti-racial guilt, anti-racism. So actually, they're using the phrase anti-racism as our core value. <laughs> Pro-free speech, pro-gun rights, glorifying the entrepreneur, venerating the housewife, and reinstating the spirit of Western civilization. And it says here, though these are our cultural, our central tenets, all that is required to become a proud boy is that a man declare he is, quote, a Western chauvinist who refuses to apologize for creating the modern world. We do not discriminate based <laughs> on race or sexual orientation or preference. We are nonism, blah, blah, blah. So I, I guess this is... Uh, this is this is they don't they racism. don't uh yeah they just they call this white supremacy and they're so lazy but the thing is they've been so successful because all of media right. again media's media's job being a propaganda arm that is that with the goal of manufacturing consent and spreading narrative they have spread this narrative that proud boys are white nationalists when it's a lie they are western chauvinists they proudly admit they're western chauvinists yeah, Attack them on but that's, the, on that that's the problem ground, the left has with know? them because the left's yeah. war is on the West. This is why their number one reason for being hated is that they've, they've defined the thing that the left wants to tear down more than anything else. The, entire, the only unifying premise of all this crazy wokeness on the left is tearing down Western civilization. It's the only thing they all agree on, right? It's, you know, when you look at like, oh, well, this contradicts that and critical race theory contradicts some postmodern stuff with trans and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. They are all in agreement. Western civilization needs to fail. It needs to be destroyed. It needs to, they need to, they need to, they need to wipe it out. And Proud Boys is like, no, we like Western civilization. So that's why they're hated. Um, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Taylor says, wow, I could be a Proud Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at this and went, maybe I should join the Proud Boys. I don't know. I'm kind of busy, but uh, it's still remember it was founded. It was based in a joke. And so do you know what do you know what you have to do to be a proud boy? You, you have to do some game where you um, name anymore. a bunch the of your, cereal. I know. But yeah, originally to be in the proud boys, they, they had to name a bunch of breakfast cereals while getting punched in the stomach by the, that was your initiation. It's like, it's like a, a middle school. It's like a middle school club. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. 13 year olds came up with this. Somebody said, Somebody on Twitter accurately said, and I can't remember who it was, they said the biggest the biggest uh, joke here is that the media is trying to make a white supremacist, scary white supremacist group out of something that amounts to a street LARPing club. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if they still have it on their list, but people in the chat are asking. Yes, originally they had something in there that they were against masturbation. Oh, were um, they? Yeah, and yeah, it's a guy's drinking club, Daniel says. Yes, but that's, that's pretty not, much. It's not white supremacist to be against masturbation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. Although if it is, so... I don't know what you're saying about other races, but I'm, I'm not even going to try and think about what that is. Um, I think that's one of the yeah. silliest things to come out of the debate is that all these people are now, you know, 
the people who are plugged into the media machine, the propaganda machine are just spouting stuff about the Proud Boys that they, that are not based in truth, first of all. And second of all, based on the limited knowledge I have of them, I think if I, if you went to one of their hangouts, it would be like hanging out with a bunch of middle school guys. (laughs) Like it's not a, I don't know. (laughs) Right. But I do think, I do think it probably, this is why I want to interview someone from them. I do think it probably has is having a good impact on the lives of some of these men. It, there are not a lot of social clubs anymore where men, where masculinity is not denigrated, right? And yeah. it's it, it's not denigrated in the Proud Boys. It's actually celebrated. Yeah, so. that's actually one of the things that I'm interested about because I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Carrie, but I don't think I've said it on the show. For a while, I've wanted to start a men's group just like, Cause I want to hang out with guys who just want to go shooting and be guys and like, and that masculine energy I think is actually really helpful across generations. Um, and a lot of guys are growing up without, um, fathers that are super present. Even if the fathers are around because people move around a lot, you don't have them physically located. Um, I like the idea of a, a guy's group that just goes and does stuff, but, um, I'm not sure this would be the one, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's healthy and there used to be men's groups and, uh, the only ones I see now are actually in church. I see, I see some religious organizations doing, um, groups, uh, that are aimed at men and unapologetic about masculinity. And I think that would be great. Um, yeah, shooting is someone says shooting is almost always a good time, good choice. Yeah, right. I mean, something that's just frankly, it'd be nice because you could also have a group of preppers in there. You could have people that you know when the zombie apocalypse comes, you know who to call. But uh, anyway, maybe if we if we all move somewhere someday, we'll have a group of that. Maybe I'll I, starting one in the Bay Area is probably not a great idea. They would all have okay. man buns. <laughs> so <laughs> man, maybe that's where you need to start. You know. <laughs> I know. Gosh. The first in it, the initiation, and I'll do it too, is to shave your head. That's the that'll be the no man. That sounds the skinhead organization. Whatever. Buzz cut. Get rid of your man buns. That'll be the thing. Um, One of the things that I heard Diamond and Silk talking about at the walkaway rally. Diamond and Silk, if you're not familiar with them, are two Trump supporters, um, former Democrats, two black women. I believe they're sisters in real life. I think they are sisters. And anyway, they are hilarious. They kind of do a a blend of commentary and comedy. And one of the things they were talking about on stage is appreciation for strong men and the need for strong men and strong male leaders, especially in, in a culture which is currently doing its hardest to denigrate traditional masculinity or to denigrate any type of characteristic like fortitude, um, strength, like perseverance, hard work, all these things that they attack, all the things that we see critical race theory and social justice ideology attack, um, they attack it. They're not just attacking um, hard work and and perseverance and stoicism. They're also explicitly t- trying to tie those things to being white and to being right. male, which is both racist and sexist. But how do they get you to oppose 
strength and perseverance and hard work. Well, they have to tie it to something that they've already been successful at denigrating. So they're tying it to being white or they're tying it to being male. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked, uh, you just made me think of diamond and silk. We're sort of talking about that, that need for strong men in today's culture and unapologetic. Because women are still allowed to have groups. They're allowed to hang out alone. Um, but guys basically aren't right. Guys, guys are viewed as misogynist or, or sexist if they, if they go off and like, if you, you start a male only club, you'll get in trouble or you're gay. The only male only clubs that I know are in the seedy parts of San Francisco <laughs> and they use the word club liberally. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you, you, there's no, there's no just like, I don't want to say, you know, drinking whiskey and smoking cigars, but kind of right. Like that's just, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, Carrie, before we go, I want to, uh, I want to show you something because I know many people are, are telling us that Biden is a nice, um, mainstream kind of alternative to Trump. Trump is the crazy one and Biden is, uh, don't worry, he's just Joe Biden. Nothing radical is going to happen. Let's look at the wet dream of the leftists if Biden wins, because someone's writing about it. I'm going to leave you with this. The optimistic view. I wouldn't use the word optimistic, but okay. What could happen if Biden wins big? Let's see. Let's see. What do they want? What are the people supporting Biden? What are they thinking about? What are these Biden voters wanting? First of all, they, they set it up as if concerns and predictions that Trump will not leave office peacefully or willingly are now rampant and reasonable even as the president fights coronavirus. No, not reasonable. They are ramp rampant because you guys have been making this crap up forever, but they're not reasonable. Okay, so what happens? He goes into how it could happen. Biden's going to win by, he's going to landslide. What if this happens? He says that the polls predict that Biden's going to win in a landslide. All right. That, well, that's absurd. Right. What happens under the Biden presidency? You ready? With control of the White House, Senate and House, the Democrats enact a major economic stimulus legislation and extraordinary COVID-19 spending in Biden's first week. Now, by the way, some of the conservative criticisms I've seen of Trump are, well, he didn't cut spending and that's very important. Yeah, I agree. He didn't cut spending. He should have spent less. You think these guys are going to spend even less? Nope. They want enormous they want a, a ma sorry, major economic stimulation. Okay. And here we go. He enlarges the Supreme Court to 13, puts 15-year term limits on the justices. That part's not bad. Adds 45 seats to the House of Representatives, gives statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico, abolishes the Electoral College. The disproportionate power of rural white voters has that has ruled American history will be diminished. The winner of the popular vote will always be elected president, and the Supreme Court will be less susceptible to extended one-party dominance. Uh, they'll, be, they'll pass significant expansion and protection of Obamacare, criminal justice reform, right, and start reversing Trump's climate change setbacks. I have mm. not seen a better argument for voting for Trump than these two paragraphs together. <laughs> Thank you for making the case for me, USA Today. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to share that because if you're thinking about not voting for Trump, and I usually don't care because I usually don't vote, but... Uh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good argument for voting for Trump. <laughs> yeah, made the case, but not the case you thought you were making. <laughs> yeah.
So <laughs> it's the most important election of our lifetime, Carrie. <sighs> yeah. I don't know about that, but of our know, lifetime, yes, I think so. But of his, in history, I don't think so. So before we go, I just mm-hmm. want to remind you guys, because somebody in chat reminded me, and, and I think we have one more super chat to pull up. But okay. um, uh, we, if you want to support us financially, you can do so at Unsafe Space on the donate page. There are several ways to donate. One of those will take you to Subscribestar, and you can leave a tip there, or you can do a monthly sub- subscription of any amount you choose, a dollar to a million dollars. And if you if you support us at the $25 level or above, you get an unsafe space grenade mug. And as someone pointed out, we have goals now. So we have a monthly goal and we're about a little over halfway there, I think. So thank you guys who've already supported us. If you want to join book club, book club is free to join and be a participant. And we encourage everyone to come over and have fun with us. It's a good way to make sure you keep reading during this time of many screens and many distractions. We're currently reading Screwtape Letters and uh, by C.S. Lewis. We're gonna be discussing it on Sunday, October 18th. You still have time to read the book and and you can, if you go to our book club page at unsafespace.com, you can find out more info and you can either be in the video chat on camera with us or you can be in the live chat like today. Somebody said they tried to send us a million dollars, but it didn't go through. Uh, damn YouTube. <laughs> we'll just blame um, YouTube on that one. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, so thank you guys for joining us. Come visit us for book club. Check out our interview this week with Brett Weinstein. It's going to be coming out uh, hopefully on Wednesday. And we're going to do a live screening of it. So show, show up in the chat with us that day. Yep. And... Uh... The one last super chat from B. Allen says, Proud Knitters? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> that won't be the name of my organization if I start. It's going to be the Proud Knitters. I love you, Knitters, but really. I mean, you're everywhere. You're, every, you're like <laughs> glitter in the house. You just can't. It's just everywhere. Once it's in the house, it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, we love yeah, you guys. parenting tip, never allow glitter in the house. All right. Um, thank you all for watching. We will uh, see you. Actually, we're probably going to do a live stream. Should we announce? Are we doing a live stream tomorrow or Thursday? Yes, let's announce. Tomorrow. We're going to do an impromptu live stream tomorrow with our friend Libby Emmons, who is an editor and writer at The Post Millennial. And we're going to be talking with her about a couple specific news items, so one of them involving climate change. She's great. I hope you guys show up. Uh, All right. Thank you all. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected.
The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 96.8% chance that their opinions are obsolete. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Having liberty is scary. Why keep it? You aren't using it anyway. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.